This week's episode could not find a sponsor because two games in 10 days is simply not profitable. What is this, college? Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Wow! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for November 13th, 2017. Coming up on the show, we learn a little bit about Samuel Gerard's hockey abilities, Alexander Kerfoot's medical history, and what the Avalanche will look like without Matt Duchesne, all at like noon o'clock, because this happened in Stockholm. But before we play the whoosh, introductions have to come for your disembodied voices of the week. Joining me, as always, is the managing editor of VR. Hello, Earl. Hello, how's it going? And I didn't have writing for anyone else, because I wasn't completely sure who was coming so hello again to jackie to tiger vixen queen jk oh. how are you hello you have so many names that have to i know i was gonna say all my aliases and then once again we have rudo hello to rudo hello hello so the avalanche took on eric carlson and the ottawa senators twice in stockholm this week and nothing else happened on Friday, Avs fall 4-3 in overtime thanks to a ridiculously greedy line change in the 3-on-3. Three -three. On the board for the Avs were Alexander Kerfoot, Nathan McKinnon, and Nail Yakupov. Colorado were outshot on this one 32-19 because Ottawa are a really solid team in the neutral zone, as it turns out. And for some reason, your Avs couldn't figure them out. Then on Saturday, Avs fall 4-3 again, this time in regulation, with Kerfoot, Sven Ghetto, and a shorthanded Blake Como, your goal scorers. Copy-paste. Colorado were outshot on this one 40-18 because Ottawa are a really solid team in the neutral zone, as it turns out, and for some reason your abs couldn't figure them out. This was also the game where a harmless dump-in on the power play by Mike Hoffman randomly jumped at like a 90-degree angle to surprise an unsuspecting Bernier. Uh, one assist for newcomer Sam Girard this weekend and zero points for Matt Jane. So tell me, how hard did the abs win the trade? Or, maybe you don't want to talk about that, another scratch for Zadorov on Saturday. What are we going to do about Z? Um, this, this is getting to be very concerning. Um, I, I don't totally blame the staff for not playing him because I, I kind of see where they're coming from, where they are asking him to do something and he's not delivering. But <laughs> there comes a point when you need to allow him time to deliver that. And I, I, think, I, I think they're just being a little bit quick with the hook on him. Yeah, I, I agree, and I want to see some consistency out of that. Barbario was a complete disaster in the second game in Sweden. He needs to sit, and we need to see Z take up that role and get 20 minutes a night here to see where he can actually get himself going into a, a top-four situation. And it seems like, at least for me with Z, when he plays more, he gets better. As time progresses, that's where he starts to step up his game. Yeah, I was going to say that, too. Is He's a player that needs the time, and then the staff is probably going to say you need to earn the time, but you're not really going to get much out of him in third pair minutes. I think it's he has to get comfortable and get in a rhythm and stop overthinking, and he's better when he just kind of relies on kind of instinct. And I he's he seems like a really confident guy, but I think he's not confident on the ice when he feels like there isn't that trust in him. Well, it's not like they're, they're giving him third pair minutes 
you know, right off the bat, you know, a, a lot of games, he starts out with like seven or eight minutes in the first period, you know, maybe something similar in the second. And then, he, you know, he gets like four minutes in the third period. Yeah. And, for whatever reason, Bednar doesn't trust him. Well, yeah. And I just, it, it's tough for us as fans to pick out what they're seeing because it's, 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 it's not something that we can see. Um, but it's 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 just very frustrating as a fan when you know we want to see Zadorov being you know not really top pair but at least playing top pair minutes on this team and it just there's there's something that's telling the staff that they can't put him out there for a full 20 minute type game every night and is it expectations Benner even mentioned it once about how they want him to get back to the level that he was at last year, which is fair, but, you know, when they're kind of setting the bar higher for him, I mean, it's good to have high expectations for him, but when he's basically on par with the others and they get to play and he doesn't, it's kind of, how does he even get there? It's unfair in a way, is what I'm trying to say as well. Well, I mean, to, to go back, what I was saying is that you know he plays sort of at least top four minutes in a lot of first periods, and then tails off. So it seems like they're giving him chances early in games, and, and just whatever they are asking him to do, he's not doing, or you know, it's something like that. Is um, it the is it the physical stuff? I mean, it, it doesn't seem like he's making a ton of mistakes. I think no, it's, I, I, I don't think it's errors. It's, it's weird, because for the last three games that he's actually played it, and he's really stepped up his physical engagement as well. He's been putting down some nice hits. He's not been afraid to fight with people. So it can't be that side of it. It's, it's got to be something specific that we just don't know about. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the only thing I see is he, he does take shifts off, and, and you know everybody does. But it's, just, it's a little more obvious when he does... Um, and I, I know they hate that, and that's probably something that they, they are worried about letting him sort of get in the habit of doing. But, uh, you know... Does that qualify, like, yeah. multi-game scratches? <laughs> exactly. So well, it, ben... it, it, it's probably, yeah, it's, it's just probably something that, I, that we just can't imagine. Well, Bender likes the, the intense guys, the, you know, kind of... The, the turned up to 11 kind of guys and some just aren't that way you know kind of like the issues he had with Soderberg and Colburn and and those were legitimate but I think the guys that aren't naturally go 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 I, I agree with that I think a lot of coaches that come from the AHL run into this problem because that's what you want to see all the time in the AHL but in the NHL you have players that are skilled enough to wear they need to rely on their finesse more often than just full-on 110% crash into everything. Right, like, we'll get into this later, but Bednar, um, you know, d- does he think that their lack of execution in a game is just, well, they didn't, they didn't push hard enough? And is that enough? Like, sometimes you could say, you know, they were flat or whatever, they weren't skating, they weren't forechecking hard, but there's only so much, like, play harder that you can do and with Zadorov, is it play harder like you know obviously we don't want him to be 
lazy, take shifts off, you know, not disengage, things like that. But there's only so much that he's going to be able to show without being being played a lot. And, and that physical stuff, like, he can't be that every single game. That's almost like asking Greer to, you know, be the prick every single game. Like, if you're just saying, oh, I want to see the Zadorov smashes and the hits and this and that, like, you know, that's not being a defenseman, like, 100% of the time. Yeah, and we've seen uh, several times last year that if, if, if Z goes a little bit too nuts, it's, it's bad because he just ends up in the box. And, you know, that's also something I'm sure they've spoken to him about. I mean, you know, he, he, he got several penalties in a game, you know, a lot last year um, before he kind of started getting it. And, you know, I, that, I, I don't think they want that from him. So, it, you know, how, how, do you, how do you focus that intensity such that a guy is intense but not so intense that he's going over the line a lot? Yeah, running around. And I think that's a very difficult balance. I think his best games were when he did play a lot, like obviously that Winnipeg game that everyone remembers. But that's when he was playing a ton and he was in the game and in the moment and and, and he feels like he can make an impact. And when you scratch him, now you're taking the confidence away. Like, is one mistake going to get him benched? One penalty going to get him benched? And I, th- I think, I guess in a way what I'm saying is they need to kind of give him a little bit of leash because it's just going to be so hard for him to earn it inch by inch. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't think he can earn, I, you know, I don't think he can earn his way up to the top four again just playing safe. Um, you know, he's got to be edgy and he's got to be allowed to make mistakes. Right. Um but you I know, understand just, the accountability too, and the meeting expectations, and and just because he signed a contract doesn't mean that he gets the top four spot automatically and things like that. Well, I think we were all okay with scratching Z for a couple games to start when he had some off games, but now that it's becoming a trend, is where we're seeing at a certain point right. you have to make the decision that Z's our guy and we're going to play him. Yeah, like three in a <laughs> row is. It's not is not good and right. What what is it like? It's been what four out of five games. That yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you trying to do at that point exactly? Like, are are you committing to developing him or are they moving on? Because the Avs tend to move on quickly when they've kind of made a decision on a guy, and that would seem pretty crazy that they would do that. But I mean, what else? What else can you interpret this as? I, I, I mean, I interpret a lot of, you know, the, the, the grander issue, not just with Z, but with Bigra and even with Miro, um, is that they're, they're, they're still trying to figure out who the other four guys besides Johnson and Barry are. You know, and it, it looks like they found a third with, with Gerard now. But... Um, they're still, I mean, they really want someone that can play with Eric Johnson consistently. I mean, not, you know, 28 minutes a night, but, you know, to at least be able to play 20 and be able to handle the other team's top lines. And they've tried, <clears throat> they've tried Z there early. They tried Lindholm there. They've tried Barbario there. 
um, they're just having a difficult time figuring out who's going to take that role. And it, 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 I'm sure it's frustrating for them, but. Well, I mean, that you got to go with the likely guy that's probably going to be able to do that, you know? And I think he's looked the best in that role. Zadora has. I I agree, but it brings us to this topic of Eric Johnson thinks he's Duncan Keith now, which is fine. If Eric Johnson can play 30 minutes a night, every night, that's great for him. And it's probably the best option for the team if they're trying to win games. But if you need to take a look at these bottom four D that you're trying to figure out who fits where, you need to cut away some of that time from Johnson to take a look at these guys. That and, you know, I understand they're not going to play like a whole rookie blue line, but they're just wasting too much time with guys like Nemeth and Barbario. I agree. Like, it's okay that they're they're there as six, seven guys or whatever, but adding Gerard in now, it's just like... It's not going to make any sense to dress, especially both of them in the same game. And and people freak out because Nemeth and Barbario both had good starts to the season, but they're not going to be consistent. We already know what they are. Neither of them are really developing at all. And at a certain point, even if they're playing well, that's not really the goal for this season, is it? We're looking to find those young guys. And they were both waiver finds. Like We're not talking about... A, def- a veteran here you know in yeah. the classic sense which you know i'm glad we don't have those either because that hasn't worked out but it's just like nemethin is what 110 career nhl games like why does he get to dress every game that he's healthy yeah because every time every every game he's dressed he's been third or fourth in time on ice i mean it's not like they're just dressing him you know because he's dependable on the on the third pair. I mean, you know, they, they seem to they seem to like what he brings as far as being paired up with Barry and, and killing penalties. Um, and it's you know, I think he was good at first, but he's ever since the first injury, he's really been kind of not so hot. I think this comes down to the coaching staff trusting who they trust and not trusting who they don't trust, and they have trust issues. And and right now, Z specifically. And immediately a guy that comes off of waivers with the 100 career NHL games gets trust. Yeah, like, they what, seem what to have does that make? a bias against their own development system. Right, like, let's, let's claim <laughs> Bodner Chuck, and he's way better than every single other person you have in the AHL. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, it's quite a pattern. It is, um... Well, I think with 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 Nemeth hurt right now, and and Anton as well, and also Barbario in the doghouse for at least one game. We certainly, uh, yeah. Um, he didn't I, I play that, after his penalties, so I'm yeah. Which one? Well, he, it, it wasn't even that he got kicked <laughs> off. Of, he was he started off with EJ, and he got kicked down to the third pair even before that happened. So he was just having a battle game before he lost it for everybody. I mean, honestly, who was playing with EJ then? Who was playing with EJ then? He was just out there by himself. He was playing both <laughs> sides. <laughs> Fifty-five minutes. I mean, was it Miranov? I mean, like, what other choice did they have? I'll, I'll look. Hold up. Um, well, it wasn't Gerard because Gerard pay- played every even strength shift with Barry yesterday. I mean, which, it, so it I'm still not hero. sold on that pairing at all. It's Honestly, fun, Nero but wasn't that bad yesterday? No, yeah, I, I okay. actually, yeah, I, I liked his game for the first time all year. First, so, that was the first glimpse that he might have actually 
Yeah, Big Girl was with EJ for a while. Um, yeah, that's the second highest defenseman with EJ. He played 11 minutes, five on five with Barbario, and 3:46 with with uh, Big Russ, and then less than a minute with everyone else. That's still yeah. a pretty big drop off. But, yeah. But you were saying Miranov looked decent. Is that what you were trying yeah. to say? Yeah. It- yeah. I, I think he actually he showed for the first time that he might be able to, you know, Play be used as a yeah. yeah be used as a bottom pairing defenseman if need be. His only real big issue yesterday was the penalty he took on Matt Duchesne, which I still don't think should be a penalty. Yeah, I was going to say that was kind of chintzy. That a veteran defenseman gets away with that. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you chip the puck behind a defenseman, you're chipping it to yourself. You're passing it to yourself. You still have the puck. He should be able yeah. to hit you. But anyway, that's... Uh, we don't need to spend more time yelling at NHL rules than we already have on this show. Um, no. Nah. <laughs> we could for a while about yesterday's game. <laughs> there's some pretty serious issues at hand right now with, with the way the defenders are being used. Uh, Eric, we've, we've seen Eric Johnson's numbers kind of struggle to keep up with what we're accustomed to with him playing all these minutes. Um, and there's guys that need some of those minutes for development, like, it comes back to the age-old question that we come back to even when we're talking with other fans and what their expectations are, is what is the purpose of this season? Are you trying yep. to win a cup this year, or are you trying to develop your players this year? I, I mean, I am I really would like to see them try to stick as close to 500 as possible. And I know 500 isn't really 500 in this league anymore, but I think, you know, shooting for 82 games and, and falling just a little bit short is is, is probably as bad as we want them to to do. <clears throat> I mean, right. I, I think points in the 60s is not something that, that would be good for the team at all. No. Yeah, yeah, they need to show some improvement, something that they can build off of. Like, I, I, I something to be that, proud of. But I think the young guys are entirely capable of doing that. Yeah. They like, just need to show it, and, you know, it's just one of those... You know, I can't get a job without experience, and I can't get experience without a job kind of thing. Right. So someone's going to have to give. Yeah, and the players kind of can't give because you have to be put in the position to earn it. Yeah, for me, it's it's not about points or wins or anything. It's just, it's about, you know, they've been competitive for most of the games. And I think I think that's been. I mean, even if it kind of didn't feel like it yesterday, I mean, it wasn't a blowout. They still scored three goals, you know, and they're still averaging three and three eighths goals per game, you know. I mean, that's. I mean, again, we, we averaged less than two last year. I mean, let's be real. The game could have easily been like seven to two. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't a good game, but that's fine. This team, we knew from the start, it's going to be young and inconsistent. They're going to have games where they don't play well. Out the game on Friday could have just as easily been 7-2 Avalanche, too. I mean, exactly. Scott could have had a first period alone hat trick. Yeah. yeah. Um, but before we leave the defenseman behind, um, let's make sure that we do take the appropriate amount of time to appreciate our uh, newest addition to the roster, um, Samuel Gerard has all the talent in the world. 
Yeah, Boy. he's the best defenseman in Sweden. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, I, I didn't just, know I, he was he was that good. I didn't. I I just love his personality with the puck. He's just he he's very very calm. I mean, he's just like a stone cold killer out there. I mean, he's he's got no fear, it and was... he's not being reckless. No fear. He's he's just you know he knows what he wants to do and. He knows how to get out of the situation that perhaps the opponents put him in. And it, it's just that the confidence is very, very good. Yeah, I, I really like the confidence, too. There was a funny situation at the end of the game on Saturday when the Avs got that uh, gift of a power play to try and tie it up where Gerard gets the puck on the half boards and he just hangs on to it for like 20 seconds. And it was great to see him do that, but it was also kind of funny as he's sitting there with the puck waiting for an av to cut to the net or something <laughs> and all four avs just are standing perfectly still just waiting i mean he's fun to watch i, I you know i get what they're thinking but they they gotta go to the front of the net when he's got the puck yep. quit watching him <laughs> yeah um, and he was I mean, that, when... on, on his assist on friday night you know it's like that those moves that he was making before he made the i mean i know it's only a secondary assist but the moves he was making before he passed it to barry you're just like wow that's fun yeah he, you know that that play that <laughs> shift of his was something the avalanche defensive <laughs> core just doesn't have because every once in a while things get kind of screwed up in hockey believe it or not it's a chaotic game and sometimes you need to be able to hold on to the puck for a minute while the team around you resets. And yeah. that's not a skill set the Avalanche have had on their blue line in a long ass time. So it was very refreshing to see somebody just kind of be like, oh, well, um, I can waste a few seconds here. And you ready? All right. Okay, go. Go. Nice. And he yeah. was great when they had the net empty in Saturday's game. Yeah, that yeah. catch at the blue line of the puck. That was fantastic. Yeah, he was controlling the whole blue line for like a whole minute. He was out there the whole last minute. And I want to retract my statement from last week where I said I thought he'd be back in the queue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah he, he, there's no way he's going back after those two yeah. games. Well, I mean, our logic was chance. solid, but after he played 22 minutes in two games, and, and I mean, I'm sure the Avs, you know, suckage might get to him. <laughs> At some point, but but after the way they used him and how he looked, it's it, it would be hard, really hard to see them send him back. Yeah, I mean, you can just see Joe Sackick sitting in the press box, turning to I don't know McFarland, whoever whoever's with him, and just going wow every five seconds. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we scored. <laughs> and you know, his size didn't really seem to be an issue either. Like I know it will be down low and in front of the net and things that he's never going to be able to. You know, you can't, you can't help that. But like, he was physical he in was. the beginning of yeah, that he had second game. He hit spoke there. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> there was, a, and he uh, could take a hit too. I mean, he he took several hits, and you know, it, it, it was just sort of matter of fact of the game there. Yeah, there there was a moment. Um, I think it was in Friday's game where um, Ottawa got a two on one with with Barry the man back. I think it was probably because Barry did one of his patented point blank shots at the point that gets blocked out of the zone for a rush the other way. Um, and he's like 26 now. I'm not sure that's ever going to stop. But um, <laughs> Ger Gerard back-checked hard and turned that into a one-on-one. -on -one. There was no way to get that pass through. He yeah. completely covered the man. I think it was Stone. Um, but that was just a great play to get, to get back and turn a, a two-on-one into 
try to get a shot through. Yeah, he's a, he's a smart kid. I mean, when you think about it, he's only 19 and he's sort of making heady plays like that, it's just it's very refreshing. I will say I don't think the Gerard Berry pairing is a long-term answer, and I do want to see him on his own line where he's the offensive guy that teams are going to defend first over the other defenseman because right now teams are prioritizing Barry because they know what he is so he has a little bit more space than he will in the future but I still think he's capable of doing all the things he's shown so far it'd be yeah I mean it'd be interesting to see him with EJ I mean that would be a different dynamic I kind of like Barry with somebody that can move the puck well but but yeah I understand it that might not be like a lock down that pairing forever that they're going to have to try him with some other people. It's very all-in. It's extremely all-in to put those two together. Yeah. And I don't think that they, were, they weren't they were the pairing that had the issues, though. Mm, everybody. For they, they did yesterday. Was, well, I mean, Barbario took, took the crown on that one yesterday. Barbario was king shit yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just you know, you you look at yesterday's charts, and they that that pairing was kind of a lot with uh, the, the Pajo Pyatt Hoffman line, and then also against the the Brassard Stone line. Um, so they were taking some difficult matchups. Well, and that pairing's not going to shine in a game where you get trapped in the neutral zone for the full sixty minutes. So, yeah. I mean, the only good thing about that is, like, every time the Avs got pushed back from not being able to get through the neutral zone, they could give it back to those guys, and then they could start the breakout again and yeah. again and again. That game was just so, I don't know, ch- choppy, too. I think it was 70 face-offs. It's just like, who can watch that? <laughs> just... <Yeah. laughs> I didn't and, watch and it we have. With an injured confer, we have no good face-off people. <laughs> it was funny on the and he on was fifty percent on Friday night. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> on the broadcast, they were like, "Oh well, Miko Rantanen's taking this face-off, and that you know, because it's a left-handed draw." And I'm thinking, "Oh my god, is he like the best option for a left-handed face-off in this <laughs> yeah. game?" He took a lot of late in the game face-offs too, and I was like, "This isn't good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Landeskog takes several faceoffs every once in a while too. Um, but I didn't watch this game live because um, I was in a car. But I saw on my timeline that the first period took seventy real minutes, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, that's terrible. It was painful. So um, anyway, um, before we get to um, stars and scratches. I, I want to take a minute and kind of think about what the team looks like now with Matt Duchesne no longer on it. Uh, we we kind of speculated a little bit about what the team would look like without him last week. And the reality has come away that there's a lot of weight and pressure on one Nathan McKinnon to perform every single night. With if if his line isn't going, then you're going to be relying on you know someone like Kerfoot to pick up the slack, obviously. But his his absence, if he's off, is is very felt, and I think we saw that on Saturday. 
I'm going to disagree. I, I, I think Dutch was sort of a no-show for about half of the games so far this year. And there's actually, there, there, there's evidence now that Kerfoot was, was actually kind of driving that line a little bit. Um, I mean, yeah, they're they're going to miss him when you need a guy to step up that's been there and has incredible skills and speed. But um, just seeing what what Kerfoot's done so far this year, it it doesn't make up for it, but it makes it hurt less. I agree with that, and I was going to say that also that you know there's been a lot of pressure on McKinnon since the beginning of the year, even with Duchesne there. That and especially the line as it's constructed with Miko and and now putting Landeskog on it. I mean, regardless of who's on the second line, it's the first line has to show up every night. And I do wonder how re- realistic that is. Like I know people here around the league, what Kucherov and Stamkos are doing, and Sagan and Ben, and just have this vision that that's what McKinnon and Rantanen should be doing every night. I. McKinnon should keep doing exactly what he's doing. He's got yeah. 15 points in 16 games. If he keeps up that pace by game 50 of the season, the whole fan base is going to be losing their minds that McKinnon is finally reaching his potential. So I think it's kind of a little bit of misguided hate towards him. And it's not even the depth, guys. We've seen Kerfoot step up to help fill Duchesne's role. We've seen Confer return to the lineup, even though he's not 100%. I think the Avs need the guys that they've been missing back in the lineup badly because where they've been successful, especially before all of the injuries, they'd have Comfort, the Landeskog line, shut everyone down, and then win games with their depth scoring. And we don't even know what Jost is going to do in this lineup either. Like We don't know where he's going to settle in. I don't think the staff knows. So I don't think it's fair to expect... Um, anybody to have an amazing game every single night. Um, I'm not saying Nathan McKinnon should be carrying the team every single night. And if you are saying that, I'm very confused by you. Um, Just saying that, um, but it's a combination of two things here. One of them being, I don't know. I love Alex Kerfoot. I don't know how sustainable this production is. Um, I I don't know how long he's going to continue to produce points at this rate. Um, I hope it's forever. But we we have to see some proof of that first. Um, and I mean, it's, he's got 13 points in 16 games already. I mean, it's it's, it's looking like a sure bet as it, time it, goes by. It's still he's riding a hot streak. It's yeah. very hard to know. It, it is. It's very hard to know like what his kind of as I say equilibrium is. Like what kind of player is he? I mean, but it seems like he's just steadily notched up the expectations. Like ever since rookie camp. It's just kind of, you think you kind of put a ceiling on him or like a realistic ceiling and he just keeps pushing it up and pushing it up and pushing it up. I have no idea. Like I know he's not going to keep up a streak of three multi-point games in a row and things like that. I mean, that's, that's being a little bit hot, but the way he's scoring, the way he's producing, it's, it's not even like a fluke. It's just kind of like that, you know, that's the way he plays and that's, well, in the two games against the Islanders in garbage time, I mean, the situation he scored in was, but not the way he scored. The thing is, the abs young down the middle 
have a good situation where they can just play the hot young hand. Bednar has already said he wants Comfort to be the 2C, even though it looks like Kerfoot is stealing that job now. And then you have Jost, which you can insert in wherever if someone cools off. Yeah, and that's a good problem to have. But with Kerfoot, I have no idea anymore. Like, you just thought, oh, it's great that you have this young kid that it can produce, and now he's he has the same number of points as Rantanen. He's leading the team in goals by two. Like, maybe you have to say, is this kid's legit, like a legit top six player? And I will say, I his last goal, the second goal of the Saturday game, that really sold me on him. Because up till that point, we knew he could pass, we knew he could score goals in and around the net. But that wrist shot from the top of the circle was a goal scorer's goal, man. That the, that's the type of goal that you go, okay, this guy can score. And, yeah, we thought he couldn't shoot. It was like, that was the first goal he shot in the net himself. And, and yeah, that he looked good doing it, too. It was nice they moved him on the other side of the power play. Maybe that helped. I don't know what it was. But, but right, like, he just keeps proving it. You just put him, put him somewhere, and he just keeps doing his thing. They buried him on the fourth line for those games. And he, he just took it in stride. I don't know how, how fourth line that fourth line was exactly. Um, they didn't get a lot of ice time. It's, it's still like... It's, it, we still think of a certain kind of line when we think of a fourth line. He got low ice time. I, I'll give you that one. I, I don't mind that, though. I think the future is skill up and down the lineup for the NHL. Yeah, I mean, oh, you're, no. you're totally oh, right, right, but as long as the Como, Soderberg, Nieto line still exists, that's that's kind of the bottom line as you think of it. Yeah. They get played a lot, though. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, I agree. It would be great to have lines one through four, and, and the fourth line is, is, is like somebody that you actually want to put out in offensive situations, but it's kind of still becoming the de facto kids' leftovers. I mean, it, we've moved past the Marc-Andre Cliche fourth line, but it's still kind of like the we-don't-know-what-to-do-with-these-guys line. I mean, the talk about some of the veterans down there is coming. It's not here yet, and it probably won't be until closer to the trade deadline, but it's coming. Well, hopefully a new home can be found for... Uh, for Blake Como, we've said that before. <laughs> hopefully, yep. hopefully this is the year he hasn't played himself completely off the trade block by tanking his value by doing bizarre things and contributing very little. I'm worried about the other direction that he's going to play too well, where the organization doesn't want to let him go. I think Don't. that's likely. Don't <laughs> let that happen. Don't let but it happen. But you just say, hey, he can have a cup run, and then if you love him that much, call him on July 1st. Exactly. Come back. Yeah. That's how other teams do it. I don't think they will try to keep him. Um, I mean, does he even want to be here? Is yeah, another question. I mean, that's, that's an important side of the story. But, like, I... The team have made enough moves lately away from that kind of decision that I'm not so much expecting them to do the wrong thing anymore. I, I'm not saying they won't, but it's not what my expectation would be. Yeah. I don't know. Wilson's still around. <laughs> they haven't proven that they they know what right and wrong is quite just yet. That's why it's not 
But it's not. <laughs> it, we're not still back in the day where they signed Cody McLeod for three years, and you're going, well, yeah, of course they did that. Yeah, as <laughs> oh, much as I hate Wilson, I mean that's that's a totally different ball game than your their kind of Fetter Tootin type signing. Right. Right. Well, okay. I'm, but I'm saying if they feel like they can't let him go with the trade deadline because he's playing too well, I'm just saying yeah. that it's because they still want him in the organization. Then they could still re-sign him if that makes them feel better about trading him. I mean, I'm not saying they should re-sign him, but if they hold on to him and not trade him because they need him for their 80 point season, that's worse than thinking, oh, we could bring him back, maybe. Yeah, they're I marginal. I don't know if, the, if there's a, a world where he's not a trade target if the Avalanche are not in the playoffs in, in February, but that's just me. I mean, even, even if they're the in the big, playoffs. Yeah, it, I mean, the big, the big hope really has to be is that starting around February 1st, that teams are calling Joe rather than Joe having to market him, which I don't think he would do anyway. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's going to come down to, like, you know, somebody from another team calling him up and saying, look, we really need a guy like Blake Como. Um, you know, the, here are some assets we might be interested in, in exchanging. Yeah, hey, Let me know if anything sounds good. We've got a broken leg in our veteran forward depth. Our AHL pool is, isn't really doing it for us. We're starting to kind of drop some games. Maybe I can interest you in a pick. Yeah. And the Penguins, you know, he he played great with the Penguins. I'm, you know, they they probably still has some ties there. If we retain salary, they might be able to afford him for the last twenty games of the season, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But it, I really do think it's going to be, it, it's going to be dependent on teams calling Joe and and wowing him with a deal for it. I mean, I don't. And think that's he's just gonna... my concern. Like, how good of an offer does it have to be? Because because it just seems like either it's someone plays so terrible they can't get wait to get rid of them or they play well and it's like well you know we need them for the team yeah i mean you just have to hope that you know whoever's advising them at that point is like look we should do this <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> they understand more and more that that's what agm mcfarland is for yeah i mean that's <laughs> you really have to hope that mcfarland is is sitting there saying like look this is a good deal this is going to help us a lot next year so Same. Or to say, hey, I've been talking to this guy. I told him to call you. Please answer the phone. Yeah. <laughs> or just like, you, you got some picks from the Duchesne deal, which is great, but you need more. And yep. it can't just be from selling core players is when you get picks. I mean, they got a lot and it was great, but you sold a core player for it. You have to <clears throat> keep doing it. Yeah. Move accessory pieces for accessory picks. Right, exactly. Okay, um, let's look at our stars and our scratches um, for two whole games of data. <laughs> Who was consistently good for you? I mean, Kerfoot's the freebie. Yeah? Yeah, of I course. I agree with that. Gerard. Yeah, definitely deserves that's another a star. freebie. Yeah. So who's our contentious? Star. I'm I'm gonna say EJ. You know, I, I I was gonna bring it up earlier. He's playing an incredible amount, but is he playing that well? His offense has picked up. He picked up two assists in the last game, and it looks like he's more involved offensively now. 
for whatever reason. I don't know if that's because they moved him away from Barbario or what, but he's yeah, done he's well in the, the defensive zone of... still, too. Yeah, but he's pushing the play a lot in the offensive zone, and he was kind of a little bit more tentative earlier in the year. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a bit frightening to see him below the goal line in the offensive zone, but, you know, it, that has to happen every once in a while if you're pushing the play. See, I, I would maybe choose Barry as having a better overall weekend, I think. Yeah, I feel like EJ's kind of been just okay. So I'm I can I can get on board with that idea. The uh, uh, maybe the, the, the I'll give a I'll, I'll give a weak start to Andre Miranov just for showing that he's um in in the the last game yesterday that you know he he actually can play a little bit at this level and you know it's it's a very marginal sixth defenseman type game he played but he he actually played well and it was the first time we really saw that yeah so he gets a good uh, on him for proving something he gets a stick tap but not a star the pass <laughs> failed I'm good pass. you know i'd say maybe andrew ghetto you know he's we weren't sure if he could do much not playing with uh, McKinnon and Rantanen in that like perfect spot. And, and he's, he's picked it up with Andrew or with a uh, Kerfoot. Um, and uh, it does seem like he either tends to kind of have a really good game or a really not good game, but I think he was consistently decent this weekend. And I think that proves that that's sort of what we thought earlier is that he's the kind of guy that can play well with good players. And he's keeping um, the production up. He's he hasn't re- really dropped off. I think, yeah, I think he's quite almost in, in a quiet way, kind of kept up, kind of uh, kept a certain level of play up. Yeah, I think he's definitely gotten some lucky bounces. But yeah, I agree. He's been solid. He's got twelve points yeah, I mean, in sixteen games. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean that's. That's I mean, if we're going to say that Kerfoot's starting to look like that's that's reality, I mean, not 13 and 16 games, obviously, but, you know, that Kerfoot can, can produce regularly, I, th- I think you can start to, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable about saying the same thing about Andrew Ghetto. Sure. I agree with that. And, I, and I've and i been very skeptical of what what he really is. And, yeah, I agree with that. I think at this point you can say that he's, um, he's going to be someone more reliable than, like, Yakupov, for sure. Yeah, really? I, I know that's not saying much, but I'm saying more as like a complimentary winger kind of yeah. player that yeah. that he's legitimate top six winger that you can use. He's a he's a bit more predictable than Nail. Um, the uh, on the downside, I think the easy and obvious scratch will be 44. Oh yeah, yeah. obviously. I don't have too much of a problem with his last penalty. It was, I, that was kind of taking away a, a grade-A scoring chance to do that. But the rest of his game, Barbario, you should probably uh, go away for a minute. I mean, if you don't get beat, you don't have to take a penalty, though. Yeah. I was going to say, if you don't have the stupid turnover, you don't have to take the penalty. There you go. The one earlier that... where he's just like, here, you can have the puck. I will now slash your hands. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I think the second one, he really was preventing a scoring chance. But yeah, I yeah. mean, I mean, at three penalties, there's just no, yeah, no excuse. And I would say that for anyone, if McKinnon gets three penalties in a game, I wouldn't even have a problem with if he sat for a game. And then 
I mean, it was even beyond that with Barbario. Well, yeah. He had this super soft pass up the boards that resulted in the second goal for Ottawa that yep. was just awful. Yeah, yep. it, was a, it was a weak, not well-thought-out pass, but it was also a really good read by Carlson. I mean, Carlson's a great player, but Barbario had a day and a half of space back there to do whatever he wanted, and that's what he settled for. Yeah, like He didn't have to pass at all. He did the Barbario special get puck, pass puck. Um, yeah. Which is usually fine. Making a quick decision is good. If, if, but you don't always have to make a quick decision. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay yeah. not to. I guess for the other scratches, I'd say, you know, I hate to say it, but Comfer, like, we know he's wasn't healthy, that hand wasn't probably feeling great. And just to say it's not all him, we'll add Nieto. I, I'll give my scratch to kind of like that line minus Como because Como's been decent and with the breakaway and, and everything, he wasn't the problem on that line. Como's but, been the best he's been in like three years. Yeah, yeah. so so I want to give my scratch to the line, but I do want to exempt Como. Um, but Nieto had a really soft play. On one of the goals yesterday, um, they just, I know they got killed in possession. It just, it really makes you wonder with that line so good with Soderberg, like is, is he the one that's bringing something to it or was it just bad because they had an ineffective and still hurting comfort? I think Comfort shouldn't have come back. I, yeah. you know, every time Pretty I looked at him this weekend, he he just looked like he, you know, He's he was not sixty percent, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't uh, even just like the puck, you know, the puck handling and things that you completely expect that he wouldn't be perfect at. But just it seemed like overall, even some of the decision making was was not like him, and and maybe he was out of sorts, but it just wasn't good. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd I'd prefer to blame it on the injury. It might not, but it, you know, maybe I, he I just do doesn't think, work with those two. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's also part of it. It's just you, you know, he's he's more developed as a rookie than most of the other rookies, just because of his age and and going through college and whatnot. But you know, I, I think Landy wasn't exactly a crutch for him, but that was a good sort of working a relationship because he had Landy to depend on and, you know, he didn't have to, um, you know, be the center, be the F3 yeah. on every single defensive play. Yeah. Be the rock. I, I remember he wasn't that great with Nieto when he first came up last year. And yeah. then when they finally moved him, I, it was with Landeskog. It was like, Oh <laughs> Yeah. So right. maybe maybe they could think about that again when they want to break up that top line. All right, now let's see if Earl scratches the coach again. I, I yeah. was gonna. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's you know the the Zadorov thing we've we've gone over. I think they they really need to sit down and figure out what they want to do there, and then I, I think. I think scratching him for Miro was was a bad call, even though Miro played well, and it, you know it ended up being probably probably not that huge of a decision, but it's just optically it was bad. Uh, the the worst thing though was um, not playing AJ Greer yeah. uh, for two games when it looks like a, a change up sort of you know putting a big guy that can do a little bit more with the puck. 
um, than Gabe Bork or, you know, has more size than Rocco Grimaldi, you know, getting a guy like that on the fourth line might have really been a help. So I mean, someone that could that forecheck, was... someone that, <clears throat> yeah. that they needed yesterday, that was, that was how they were going to break the trap. Is Yeah, I could see Bork in the first game, but he was terrible in that first game, and Greer needed to come in for him on Saturday. Right, and, and, and with Soderberg out of the lineup, I don't have a huge problem with Bork playing just because they do need PKers, you know, just so the, the guys in the top of the lineup don't have to do it all the time. So I, I don't have a huge problem with that, even though he's a nightmare at even strength. But uh, Grimaldi for two games makes zero sense, especially when he was ineffective in the first game. So that, <laughs> that, that was a real swing and a miss for them. Um, but I, I think the, the huge swing and a miss was they, they haven't found a way to get this team to break the trap. And it's not just Ottawa, these two games. Uh, Carolina gave them fits. New Jersey gave them fits. Vegas gave them fits. These are all teams that play sort of a cloggy, counterattack type style. And they haven't figured out a way to get this team to, to break that up yet. And it, it's, it's pretty disturbing because you know, not every team plays like that, but enough do that, that if you can't win against that, it's going to take teams that, that play wide open and say, shoot, we just go in there and play 1-3-1 all the game and we're going to win this one easy. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's sort of a, a coach's strategic or tactical problem that they, they need to solve quickly. And, and that gets back to what I was saying earlier about how, well, when you don't change the lineup from one game to the next against the same team, the message is what, that you just needed, that it was working cool with eight shots on goal. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you just wonder exactly is that the message and you just yeah. wonder if it's the try harder skate harder exactly harder. yeah if we just try harder we'll get them next time you know i mean that's sort of that's Derek vayu to a t and um, and i'm not completely down on bedner like some out there in fandom are like and i'm not either I, and yeah, i don't me, think me either think he's a complete idiot but you do wonder yeah just how much of this well if we played harder it would have worked. And I mean, that, yeah. that's the concern. Yeah. Cause it's... he did talk about like skating and winning puck battles and stuff after the game. And he always says that, but it just, you know, it, it just seems like they're, they're really struggling against teams that play the, the, the counterattack, like, like a lot of the teams that they've lost to so far this year. And it's, you know, they, they need to do something then rather than try and encourage the players to try harder. It, it was pretty glaring when you play the same team, who brings the same style in back-to-back games, and it, you do nothing different. No anything, no yeah. system changes. They just ran themselves right into the trap again and got dominated yeah. because of it. And the same lines, too, right? They didn't even try different lines. Yeah. Or anything different. I mean, I'm, I'm not even that concerned about the player makeup as far as that goes. Yeah, it'll be nice to get our players back in and whatnot, but it doesn't matter who you put with the lines if you tell them to just skate right into the trap. They're not going to be successful. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, and it's not like this is a new system either. It's like they're they're you know they're pretty set ways that the teams break the trap, and you know it, it, either they're not explaining it to them or it, I don't know. It, it can't be impossible for the twelve guys that they put out on the ice to break the trap. I mean, it's just. Well, I think you know. isn't the way to do it is to get the puck deep, forecheck, dump and chase, things like that. Yeah, you got to keep you, them honest with 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 dump and chase, but you also you need to 
you need to not fuck around in the defensive zone before you try to go up ice. I mean, it's like you really need to break out quickly. That's the best way to break the trap, is not let it get set up. And you would think that would be something the Avs are good at. Yeah, especially with Gerard there. Quick, speedy, skatey team that can just flip right on through there. Yeah. And, and but if they we'll, just... we want to trip them to stop it, we'll take the power play. But that's not happening. Yeah. Or play your better four checkers. That Imagine. might have been a start. Yeah, when when you, the first time I noticed Rocco in the second game, which is about 15 minutes into the first period, I just thought, really? Yeah. I mean, he, he's really? the ultimate guy that, I mean, he, he screams like, God, if you're playing like Chicago or, you know, like that Philly game was perfect for him. But it's like a, against a trap team, he's just totally useless. And, and we saw that Friday night. He's 100% try hard and nothing else. So does that mean that you really think the issue is not trying hard enough? Yeah. Anyway. <sighs> Soon as we right, that's my scratch for the week. And, and Rocco can go back to the A where he belongs. I'll be a lot less <laughs> angsty. Yes, nope. definitely. Well, we're getting someone who hopefully can help on the forecheck that's a little bit bigger. So, yeah, a little who, bit. Who? Uh, who is that? Uh, Russian number seventeen. He's number forty-five. Yeah, I just meant on total Russians. <laughs> oh. We're going full. It we're probably, going full Russian. He probably is Russian number forty-five. Maybe we're <laughs> to say Avalanche in Russian. <laughs> yes, we've yeah. been watching our our soon-to-be new Russian Avalanche player in San Antonio this week. Um, what was it? Four points in three games, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Three assists. Three assists game. on Friday night. And honestly, his best weapon was his shot. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. He's he's. I you know I, I I watched the game not live on Wednesday, his first game, and I just I came out of that saying you know like all right we we got a guy that can help us here. Um. Because it's it's not just his shot and his passing ability. I mean, he's very good in all three zones. Uh, he's pretty disciplined. He skates well. He can do a lot of things. Good, not great, but you know he just doesn't have a lot of holes in his game. And I I think that's going to be perfect for what we're imagining the fourth line to be like. Yeah, I think I think Kamenev is one of those pieces that makes me want to accelerate maybe looking at getting rid of some of these vets like a Como or a Wilson. Oh yeah. yeah, they should get rid of anybody now if they get a good offer. If it's not even an amazing offer, just a decent offer. But yeah, uh, you know I'll they're going to want to... himself first, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there, there's other pieces they could try, but... Um, yeah. But it look, yeah, it looks like they're going to... He, he's gonna fit in well, and and from Sackick's comments, like they're dying to play him. Yeah. So, so you'd imagine he's it, it hasn't happened yet, but you'd imagine he's gonna get called up, and he'll be there whenever they practice the first time. Wasn't there a visa issue? Like, wasn't that why he didn't go on the trip in the first place? Yeah, yeah. I think just to go to Sweden, but I mean, he should be fine because he's already playing in the U.S. But yeah, visas are the devil. Pretty they, much. They ruin yeah. and kill competition in all shapes and all forms. Yeah, I, I imagine they had to get special visas for everyone to go to Sweden, but 
you know, it, I mean, Kamenev oh. was already playing for Milwaukee, so it's not like he, he had to transfer from Canada to the U.S. or anything like that. Yeah, and he played for San Antonio, so yeah, I think he's fine there. That, uh, interesting that Gerard could go. Yeah. Well, he was yeah. on an NHL roster as well. It's easier for Canadians, though, than yeah, Russians. Yeah, the Russian uh, aspect. Maybe. But, I mean, you're, this is a, a Swedish visa we're talking about, not a U.S. one. Well, I don't know. Maybe they just wanted him over there really badly. <laughs> they made it happen. <laughs> All they right. Uh, yes, there's some strange noises coming out of Gabe's equipment bag. Just disregard that. <laughs> Boy, are you sure your name is Carl Soderberg? Why does this bag weigh 153 pounds? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I will not allow it. <laughs> but we should also, I want to give a shout out to Tony Otto for playing excellent in San Antonio. And he seems to be like the forgotten one after Kerfoot and getting Kalmanev and, and all these other, other new pieces. But yeah, he, uh, he's, he's, he's really impressive. looked good. I mean, he had an injury earlier in the year, but, um, I, I can't say that he's had a bad game yet. Not even no. close, really. No, he... You know, you wondered about the skill level maybe in camp and, and such, but he's just... He's able to make things happen. He's, he gets a, a breakaway at least once once a game. Um, he has six points there, which is, I think, tied for, like, third or fourth, something like that on the team. Yeah, he's um, exactly one of those guys that it doesn't show through in practice just how good he is in game situations. Yeah, and yeah. and him and Nantel have made a really nice pair. Yeah, the 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 faceoff win that Dan really liked. I mean, that was an amazing play. I mean, it, it was a faceoff win where he instead of trying to draw it back, this was in the offensive zone to the right of the goalie. Um, he pushed it through the opposing center's legs, stepped around him, and then immediately made a beautiful pass to Nantello who had the back door wide open and I mean it, it was it was very subtle but it was a, just a fantastic play I mean he's he's really got a good mind for for the game from what I can see and then they combine another goal too yeah I think it was before that um so don't don't forget Toninato I I think he's going to be worthy of a call up when when the need arises. Yeah. You yeah. have to remember that he's not a 20-year-old rookie. He's 23 years old, and he should be ready for an NHL look. I, I still think Kamenev kind of sweeped in and stole that spot, but he probably will get a call-up at some point after the trade deadline wholesale. I think it should be before that. I mean, depending on, obviously, what the injuries are, if, if they go on a real healthy run, of course, the guys they have are going to need need playing time, but, um, you know, I think him and, you know, assuming Greer goes back, those two should be the next two that come up whenever, whenever they need someone. Yeah. I mean, I think once Rocco goes down, he's, he's done forever. <laughs> he should be. Yeah. Common yeah. has to be the last nail in that coffin. <laughs> a little, a little yeah. bit of projection, I think, but we'll see. I'd like that to be true. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter. Even if common 
comes out and shows poorly. Like too many people are passing Rocco. Yeah, but he's yeah. he's still in the NHL roster. I mean, he's there until he's not. <laughs> yeah, basically. There he's the one that played over the weekend. Like I who knows? I mean, I you know, I don't believe in showcasing, but I you know, I, I, I think that they would you know, if there's any interest in, at all in him from around the NHL, I think, you know, I, I think they'd like to do him a solid and try to get him a job on an NHL team. I, I could I, see that as a reason, actually. I could. I could yeah. if he doesn't just play himself out of it. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, you know, I mean, you know, people say Edmonton just because they can't score. But, you know, a team like that, you know, maybe even Arizona, I mean, it, you know, teams that, that can't score um, that much. You know, they, they could use a guy like Rocco and, you know, just deal with his de- defensive deficiencies. Just deal with it. Yeah. So, We've dealt with it for long enough. Yeah. Would, I don't know who we want to wish that upon. Maybe Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Panthers. Oh, wait, they already had him. Yeah, they've they've learned their lesson. Maybe someone will look at the points. Look Maybe someone points will take him oh, from Rocco. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of of points and looking at them, I've been looking at standings points before we look at next week and before we look at an allergy story. Um, Colorado are currently one point out of a playoff spot. Um, they have seventeen points in sixteen games, which is um, we're approaching half of last season's total very rapidly, and it's not even uh, Thanksgiving yet in America, so we. And just a reminder, they only had 14 regulation wins last year. Yeah, and they've got (laughs) seven row already. Yeah. Um, The Central Division is led by the St. Louis Blues, who have 27 points and need to slow down immediately and then you have winnipeg and nashville and dallas close behind and then colorado just a point behind dallas bringing up the rear in the division of course of the minnesota wild oops (laughs) and interestingly enough I, i mentioned this to earl before we started um third place in the metro division is the pittsburgh penguins who are minus 18 goal differential Thank you, Andy yeah. Niemi. <laughs> they have more standing points than the Avs in two more games, to be fair. If the Avs win both of their next games, they would reach where Pittsburgh are. But Pittsburgh have minus 18 goal differential, which is the second worst in the East behind only Buffalo. Yeah. And would be second worst in the West behind only Arizona. So I don't know how they're continuing to win games. I'm very curious. I mean, half of that's from knows. that one game against the Hawks, but, you know, it's like minus nine in your other games is still, that's that's bad. That's still, I mean, that only puts them in front of Montreal and Edmonton. That's the only two teams that that would, that would put them in front of if you took that game away totally. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's it's amazing they can give up that many goals and then somehow be in a playoff spot. Yeah. This is the Pittsburgh every other year magic where they're going to fire their coach halfway through the season and then win the cup for the third straight time. I would like them not to do that, personally. 
Well, turns out when you get a new coach and tell Sid the Kid and Gino to just go play hockey, they do pretty well. Yeah, I guess so. Don't hire Sacco then. (laughs) (laughs) Boston took that hit for everyone. It's all right. (laughs) So, um, one of the best stories of this week had nothing to do with hockey at all. Um, And Earl, you said you hadn't read this yet. Um, so I haven't, no. Maybe we get some interesting reactions from you as this comes out. This is um, Alex Kerfoot, who has a, a nut allergy of some kind. Um, it involves, I don't know what nuts exactly, but it involves cashews, apparently. And this happened to him in Stockholm on Wednesday. Um, this He posted this on a daily blog on NHL.com. So if you want to go find other posts similar to this, you can probably find them there. He says, after leaving my iPhone plugged in overnight, I woke up to find that it was refusing to charge. After a quick bite to eat for breakfast, I asked the concierge if there was an Apple store nearby in hopes they might be able to fix my problem, and luckily, there was a store a five-minute walk away. Which was the only lucky thing that happened to me Wednesday. (laughs) Upon arriving at the store, one of the sales representatives assessed the problem and suggested I take a walk down the street while he worked on it. Perfect. I thought I'll soon have a working phone and I can see a few sites as well. As I meandered along the cobblestone streets, I saw a quaint coffee shop that looked great. Um, I'll have you remember that this is a Harvard graduate. Um, Because of the language barrier, I was having difficulty communicating with the waitress, which is especially troublesome for me because I have a severe nut allergy. I managed to order a sandwich after a fairly involved attempt to confirm there were no nuts in it, although she assured me there were not. I think she misinterpreted my question because the pesto sauce contained nuts. As I felt the reaction coming on, I quickly found the manager and asked him if he thought there were nuts in my sandwich, and he confirmed there were cashew nuts in the pesto sauce. (laughs) Fortunately, his English was pretty good, and he was very helpful in tracking me down a cab and rushing me to the nearest medical facility. In a matter of minutes, I was at the hospital, having an allergic reaction to cashews, unable to speak the native language, and without a phone. Not ideal. Luckily, the doctors and nurses took great care of me, and I was fortunate that I had dealt with similar reactions in the past and knew what the progression felt like. I was confident that this one was not going to be super severe. Since I didn't have my phone, I was unable to inform anyone on the team as to what was happening or where I was. (laughs) Usually, in an instance like this, I would tell our head trainer that I was experiencing a reaction, and he would take the lead in treating me, but since I didn't have my phone, I thought it was safest to head straight to the hospital. Luckily, it was an off day, and I didn't miss a practice or team function. After getting released from the hospital, I took a cab back to the Apple store where they informed me that my phone still wasn't able to charge and that most likely something was wrong with the battery. (laughs) They could get it serviced and replace the battery, but that would take a few days, at which point I would probably be back in Colorado. Great. (laughs) Who can go four days without a phone? I decided that it probably wasn't my day. (laughs) No kidding. And it might be just, and it might be best to just buy a new phone. There you go. <laughs> that line gets me. University of Harvard graduate. <laughs> so I went back at the hotel with a brand new iPhone 8, ugh, feeling completely fine. It wasn't the off day I had planned, but I certainly won't forget it anytime soon. I promise at some point before we leave, I'll explore Stockholm and fill you in on what I saw. But for now, I'm going to try and rest up. Maybe I'll stick to room service tonight. <laughs> And then the kid scored four points. Yeah. <laughs> Two games. 
Uh, moral of the story, if you have nut allergies, stick to Android. <laughs> <laughs> or get soup or something. Don't. <laughs> have a cookie. I don't know. Without nuts. I don't know. What's safe? Bread? <laughs> I'm not even that much older than Kerfoot, and that story makes me feel old. <laughs> Why like, I didn't. I didn't get my first cell phone until I was a senior in high school. Really? So not being without a phone for four days is, would be like normal to me. <laughs> I don't, it's not that weird. <laughs> now it and, would, but now, like, think about not having your phone for four days. I would freak out, and I don't even want to tell you what high school was like for me in the dark ages. But. <laughs> Honestly, I, it might be great. I'd probably enjoy it. In a foreign country, we had a where you don't phone speak in language. my dorm. That was our, that was my phone in high school. <laughs> but I think Kerfoot deserves a lot of kudos for one t- even telling this story, and yeah. he wrote it really well. Now I know NHL helps these guys, but I mean, the NHL guys did not craft uh, what you guys just heard. I mean, that was. That was from him. Mm-hmm. But like he didn't even have to tell the story. He could have just said, Oh, we went to dinner, blah blah blah. Like <laughs> that he was even willing to share it and, and everyone knows this, but it was such a great story. I just think to me it's even more amazing that he wrote about it yeah. than that it happened. Even though that is pretty crazy that he was in the hospital <laughs> in Sweden. <laughs> but I mean Dottie's okay. no phone. Yeah, <laughs> alone in a foreign country with no phone in the hospital. Yep. Yeah, that's that's about as, as worst case scenario as you can get. But and this just... is 2017, where you don't know anyone's phone numbers anymore because you don't have to. Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> your brain is, deletes those. It is a nice story for the Avs. You know, we're so used to getting only the like altitude scripted avalanche stories that don't show any character or emotion at all. So it's nice to get a little look behind the curtain every once in a while. Right, exactly. <laughs> and and for him to do that, I think it's just yeah, it gives the team so much more personality. Yeah, at least he could tell it. Unlike Tyson Berry's story from the World Championships. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally yeah. not wrestling McKinnon. In my <laughs> not at all. Or I mean, come on, let's be real, but okay. Um, yeah, no NHL.com blog for that. <laughs> so are we ready to look ahead at next week? Let's yes. do it. On Thursday, the Avs open the season for the fourth time. This one at home against the Washington Capitals. <laughs> 7 o'clock Mountain, then on Saturday, head to Tennessee for a game with the Nashville Predators. That one's at 6 o'clock Mountain. Finally, on Sunday, they travel to Detroit, which is a 4 o'clock Mountain start. All games on local networks, and in case you were wondering, that will be Detroit's third game of a four-day homestand, and they have Saturday off. Colorado have a 22-hour turnaround, so the rest advantage is real. And I'd also like to point out, you know, that... The Nashville game with Gerard going back, that would be interesting. And, and the Wilson. Detroit game would be his 10th game if he plays in it, which we're assuming he will. Hope so. But it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. It's going to be tough. The Avs really need to get one of these two wins in Washington and Nashville. And they're two good teams. It's going to be 
interesting. Well, yeah, they, if they, they drop both games, there's going to be some panic in the in the fans. Well, yeah, they can't yeah. get blanked any week, really. Yeah, they they got to win at least once a week. Just yeah, to keep sanity up. <laughs> yeah, you have to have a win in at least the last ten days for everybody to feel a little bit better about themselves. The issue is, it's just it's so crippling in so many ways to lose five in a row and the schedule is really poised for them to do that well yeah. this is also the four i think the fourth weekend in a row back to back i mean that that's a total ahl schedule it's it's completely bizarre yeah the the three mini off seasons we've had in this month <laughs> Yeah, it's Washington's not. It's, it's not. Washington is a better team on paper, but their their record is about the same, and their goal differential is the same. So yeah, they're struggling, and no one's real sure why. Yeah, that's the type of team we get blown out by. <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually think they can win that one. I do. I think. I do they, too. They've been good at home. Now I know this is. You know, it's usually tough. Tough the first game at home after a long road trip. It's usually kind of like the letdown game. Um, I think they can win it though. I think, you know, with Gerard's first game at home and maybe Joe still be back. I don't know. I think they'll have the, have some energy. And like you said, Washington hasn't really found their groove yet. And I think they're susceptible to some kind of a flat game. And I think the Avs will come out and win that one. And it's, it's been six years and a different GM and everything, but Varley still likes to beat Washington too. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think the Nashville game is going to be the tough one. They just they don't play Nashville well. Nah, see, I think it's flipped. With Gerard, everyone's going to be energized to kick butt on Nashville. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that that'll help. Um, All the energy in the world doesn't make them better a team, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. We we and, talked and about that. And the Detroit that. game, I could see go either way. I mean that going to be the, the third game in four days second half of back to back we know Detroit's not great but they're not quite the you know the Buffalo kind of Arizona level team that people expected I think I think they're a bit more competitive than that even though they're obviously on the downswing um I I think that's the game that could go either way yeah yeah I it's think winnable it's definitely winnable I don't know. D- Detroit's, from what I hear, they're they're sort of existing on goaltending right now. So, if you know if that keeps up, then you know that that that's a toughie. But the Avs do score three and three eighths goals per game. So, I mean, when the Avs have decent possession numbers, <laughs> they usually win. So they, they score it three was and decent, like forty-five percent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just blown away by the fact that they score more than three goals a game, but got shut out by Oscar Dansk. <laughs> <laughs> that Vegas game, though. Yeah, just whatever, whatever Gallant knows about the Avs, just bad, 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 bad. Yeah, he knows how to. Uh, they can't handle the trash. <laughs> <laughs> so I am predicting two points. Two points this week. Um. I'll go bold. I'll say four. I'll say they have a decent week. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> I th- I'm going to go with four, too. I-, I think they win the first two and get pizza pizza. 
I know it would be them to beat Nashville and then lose to Detroit, of course, right? I was gonna say four, but I'll one up it and go with five. Oh yeah, Ooh. with the OT loss to Washington. Well, at least they we better... have a title for next week if the Avs lose to Detroit. <laughs> pizza, 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 pizza. pizza, pizza. <laughs> yeah, have to get pizza, pizza. Yeah, they better score some goals at home. That's all I'm gonna say. They, they better. I think they will. Even when they're playing like crap, they manage to PDO their way to a few goals. So yeah, they, that, that's I less of a worry to me. Like yeah, yeah, they'll get caved in for sure. But. Um... <laughs> They they always manage to to I'm not gonna say it's luck, but it's just you know, be be very advantageous and and play their high shooting percentage type deal. <clears throat> so as kind of a takeaway for these two games and this show this week, don't sleep on Ottawa. That's a that's not a bad team. Um we we forget they exist because it's Ottawa, but they're I mean they're 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 a pretty good team and the Avalanche are not yet. They will be at some yeah. point, but they ha- they're still developing a lot of young guys, um, and uh, some of their key pieces are still missing. So, I mean, you would have liked to see them win at least one of those games, but I mean, ultimately, if 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 these teams played a seven game series, I wouldn't expect Colorado to win more than two of them. Yeah. So, expectations yeah, are important. Just... It's just a process, yeah, pretty much. And I think, I think for the most part, they've delivered on at least what I was asking for, which is scoring goals, like we just said, um, playing the kids, which I think they've done for the most part. You know, the Zadorov thing is probably the the most question at the, in that category, but they have, and. And I'd say they've been competitive now. Maybe some would disagree with that, but I think the games have been more fun to watch in general. Um, we feel like they the can thing. win most <laughs> games. Like we're we're here predicting that they can win these games this week. So I'd say so far this is the plan. Yeah, I mean, I think the watchability is a huge part of that. Um, it's, I, I mean. It, it was such a, a slog through last spring that it, it it's so difficult to go back and think like, God, we have a game night. Ah, eesh, you know, it was, it was soul sucking. It was just yeah. like, it just made you depressed after watching it. Well, yeah. All right. Four to one in the second period. Rock yeah. League. Most of those <laughs> games are over at the end of the first. Like. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh, well now what? <laughs> And granted, it's still early. Like, we haven't kind of passed that 18-game mark kind of when they started... Fell off the cliff last year, yeah. Like, like when they're still competitive into December and such, then I think it'll be like, okay, this really is different. But I say so far it is. Yeah, I mean, we have started to kind of see the downturn in the shot differentials, but there's also a lot of extenuating circumstances, so the team need to pull themselves out of those extenuating circumstances and uh, kind of right the ship. But they can do it. Just a matter of will they. Last year, there was no question that they would not. <laughs> <laughs> well, the goal scoring wasn't there even early on. It no, wasn't. It really wasn't. Yeah. But, it was uh, for the first four games. <laughs> <laughs> Remember 
we're Jill Colborn? <laughs> we do, unfortunately. Oh. We get yeah, to we see should. him play with actual prospects. He has like five shots in ten games or something. Yeah, in the He's on like, a hot streak right now. He hasn't had a, a point in six games and hasn't had a shot on goal in four. That's pretty and, bad. And what yeah. they did with Toninato and Nantel combining for two goals in a game, their reward was playing with Colborn the next two games. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get when you play well in San Antonio. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. All right. Well, regardless of... What ends up happening next week, you know you can hear about it here. Thanks for tuning in, as always. You can always catch the show on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash burgundyradio. On SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio. Every episode is posted at burgundyrainbow.com where you can leave uh, comments and leave us some questions and anything else that you may feel the need to yell at us. You can catch the show in your uh, favorite RSS catcher podcast app on your fancy-ass new iPhone 8, Alex Carefoot. Um, or you can just subscribe in iTunes, where it should, theoretically, just download it for you. Sometimes that happens. Um, we were looking at a Tuesday show again next week because of the schedule, so we will see you after the weekend next time, um, hopefully to help you get through a workday before a game against the Dallas Stars. So have a, uh, have a good August, and we will hopefully keep our heads back up when the Avalanche are back next week. But when I'm when I'm disconnected, I don't really know how much people are freaking out, so what's the hashtag narrative? Other than McKinnon isn't good enough. Well that one again, like Every loss, that that one's kind of an old standard. Just the youth movement isn't selfish working. selfish for wanting to see yeah. his child born. <laughs> there were some real weird ones after these games. Like yeah. people ready to give up on Jost. And <laughs> on Jost? Yeah, weird. Did he play? No. <laughs> but like, if he'd wanted to bad enough, he could have. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yes. More like, more like <laughs> that is the youth movement isn't correct. More like the youth movement isn't working. Like we're playing the kids and still losing. So.